There you are, Four Oaks. It's Pastor Paul here at the home office on a beautiful Tuesday morning. I think it's, yeah, May 10th, 2022. The last vestiges of spring are with us before the heated, hated summer. But anyway, so glad to be here with you uh, during a time we call Romans Rewind. This is where we run concurrently with our sermon series through the book of Romans on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks, unpacking themes, concepts, verses, ideas, words, um, diving deeper into things maybe we didn't fully touch upon in that Sunday sermon. And of course, we are in Romans 9. And Romans 9, obviously, um, is a beautiful chapter. It's a hard chapter because so much of it comes up to collide against our presuppositions of who we think God needs to be or ought to be or how he works or doesn't work. It also collides with a lot of the cultural values we have of about have related to the independence, autonomy, freedom, self-determinism, individuality of human beings. And Paul comes crashing down into the middle of all these preconceptions to tell you, let's begin with God. And so that's where we've been these last several weeks. And this past Sunday, we were into a particularly challenging um, text. And so let me read that text again for us and let me highlight a specific part of it, all right? Um, Romans 9, verse 14, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So, that it de- so then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. And we've been camping out on that word harden. What does that mean exactly? And one of the things that we tried to to draw your attention to yesterday was this idea of hardening um, entails, at least in part, this this idea of God releasing or handing over or giving over people to their sins. And these are not people who are in neutral. These are not people who are already seeking God. These are people who are already hardened, born into sin, and sometimes to display His glory and his grace, um, his glory, his grace to his his people in the way that he's righteous and punishes sin. Sometimes he gives over, passes over, hands over uh, someone to their own sin, really, in effect, giving them the desires of their heart. Now, this has led to a lot of speculation, and I do want to underline the word speculation, and I want to talk about what people how people have have thought about this historically, what they've said and not said, and then the way I think we need to kind of reframe some of this discussion. So we've talked a great deal in Romans 8 and 9 about predestination, that before the foundations of the world, as Paul clearly says in Ephesians 1, God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, before we knew God, God knew us, um, knew our desperate place, condition, sinfulness, set his affections and grace upon us, um, awakened our hearts to spiritual realities, even 
as we knew we would no longer be seeking him. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. There's this another idea, uh, related idea that people have often discussed related to God's sovereignty. And it's something like this, Pastor Paul, if God predestines those who will come to know him, does it not logically imply that there's sort of a double predestination? In other words, God is divinely um, electing, saving those who will know him, but in the same way, divinely electing those who won't know him um, and, and, and making them reprobate, so to speak, for his glory. So that the idea before the foundations of the world, God says, this one I will um, save and this one I will condemn. Now, there, there's two kind of positions that, that, that theologians have adopted to this idea of double predestination. Uh, one is called supralapsarianism and another is called infralapsarianism. And I don't want to get too much in the weeds except to point out the superlapsarianism says it is double predestination, no holds barred. In other words, before the foundation of the world, uh, before God created anyone, he decided there was going to be elect and there was going to be reprobate. Okay. Those who would know him, those he would save, those whom he would condemn. Okay. This is before anything else happened. That's superlapsarianism. Infralapsarianism says no. Um, that decision to elect or save some was, was made um, in relationship to the fall. So in other words, once the fall happened or sin entered the world, then God's electing purposes kicked in. And out of this mass of sinful humanity, God elected some who otherwise wouldn't know him to come to, to come to know him. Now, let me just say, I think that this whole discussion is wrongheaded on several levels. Okay. Um, and and no, no, let me start with this. Okay. First of all, whether you're a Calvinist, Arminian, or you don't even know what those terms are, you're just trying to understand what the Bible says, whether you say God ordains sin, permits sin, ordains election, permits, whatever words you want to use, every one of us, every human being is faced with this ultimate, and I'm going to call it dilemma, okay, which is where did evil come from? And as it relates to, to evil, um, is this something that God actively works in someone? Is this something that God permits or allows? Um, either way, you go with that, okay? You have to account for the fact that God being the sovereign, um, even if he's just allowing people to fall into sin, he still allows the creation of the world and the creation of humanity, knowing it's going to fall into sin. So, so everyone, whether God's taking an active role or a passive role or somewhere in between, everybody is ultimately faced with this theological question dilemma. Now, Paul's going to try to help us sort it out, and we're going to be looking at this over the next few days and particularly this Sunday. But just I'm pointing that out, that this is an issue for, for everyone, right? Number two... Um, and I'm going to quote Luther on this, and I think he's 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 right on about this. All right, um, and as Luther often is, he says it very crassly. Okay, um, some inquisitive theologian asked Luther what God was doing before He created the world, and Luther quipped, 
He was busy creating hell for foolish theologians who pry into such questions. I think that's, that's, that's actually a good warning. Because really what we're saying in this whole double predestination, supra infralapsarianism debate is we're trying to place an order of sequence upon God. God who is eternal, we're trying to put a sequence of time upon that. We're trying to say, in what order did God think his thoughts? In what order did God issue his decrees? And obviously, as I say that, hopefully you can see kind of how foolish that is, right? If God is eternal, there, you know, he is above time and space, everything is of one collective whole, then that's going to be an inscrutable process for us, okay? Um, that's going to be something, we're trying to discern something, I think, in asking these kinds of questions that we're never going to be able to answer this side of heaven. So I think that's one way it's wrongheaded. Another way it's wrongheaded, I think, is it misses, th th these are not questions the scripture asks, okay, in that way. Um, the scripture more is trying to, and Paul, particularly in this passage, is more trying to put an exclamation point, an emphasis on who God is, okay? And the way that God reveals himself fundamentally, okay, to Moses is, I am who I am, meaning, and he, and he expands this, I have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I have compassion on whom I have compassion. Mercy and compassion are not just things God does or demonstrates. They are fundamentally who you are or who he is, and they reflect very much the heart of God. And I think if you just take this text on its own, on its face value, for this very purpose, I have raised you up that I might show my power in you. Raise you up is, is not in this context denoting this idea of creating for the purpose of destroying, right? It's denoting this idea that, that God has providentially placed Pharaoh in this time, in this place, in this situation to accomplish his ultimate glory. Um, now, the double predestination view wants to say, well, God created um, Pharaoh evil, or people who are of that position, we wouldn't say it exactly that way, but but God created, ordained that Pharaoh would be, would be evil. And again, I think this whole line of thought is speculative. I think it's misleading. I think it's not pastorally helpful. What we need to know from our perspective is that God has a plan and design for humanity. He is sovereign. And we know that whether he permits, allows, decrees, whatever word you want to use, sin is still the problem. And we are culpable for our sin. We are responsible for it. But God, out of his supernatural grace, does for us what we could not do for ourselves. He rescues us. He awakens our heart. And this gives us great joy. Some, for inscrutable purposes, and we'll look at this this Sunday in Romans 9, 19 through 23, he leaves where they are but they are still culpable, responsible, sinful in by their own reckoning, by their own choices. And so, so we want to, I think, steer away from some of this speculative stuff because it makes God to be deterministic or it makes God to be the author of evil in which none of these are true. 
or it, it attempts to exempt man from his choices um, or his culpability for his sin, and that's unbiblical as well. And so I would just caution us to like just embrace the Word of God as it is shown to us. And as we've seen in this passage from this past Sunday, that, that God has a merciful, gracious heart, and he saves Israel from its own, um, its own sinful choices because of his grace, and he releases, relinquishes Pharaoh into his, into his own sinful choices, one he rescues, one he releases, both for his sovereign purposes. So I know that's kind of jumping off into the deep end this morning, but I just wanted to address that because I do think there is a point in time where we have to close our mouths and we have to say, let God be God. And I don't understand how this all fits together, but I do give him praise and glory and honor for awakening my heart to his grace. Okay, that's it for today. I'm sure that's enough to chew on. We will continue this discussion tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. Let me pray. Lord, go with us now. Empower us, guide us, direct us. Lord, draw us to yourself. Lord, let us give up on our speculation and simply entrust ourselves to you. The one who has mercy on whom he has mercy and has compassion on whom he has compassion. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.